The GameCube is Cool podcast is a recorded and produced show from Toronto, Canada. If you want to support the show, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash the GameCube was cool to find our $1 and $5 a month tiers. Special thank you to our Patreon supporters for the month of August at the $5 or above level. I Rebel, Jem McKay, Dan Wagner, Kirsten Cardinal, Jed Winters, Christopher Valenz, Joey Sirico, and Resident Evil Collector. The GameCube, GameCube was cool. Hosted by Mike Lane and Neil Gilbert. So, Mike, I've always thought that I'm a fairly level-headed person. Very few things offend me. Very few things make me angry. But I realized something that does make me angry, and it's something that you do, is that you uh, is that what makes me mad is when, when people tell me that I've been to a place before, and I know for a fact that I've never been. Uh, the story behind this is that uh, Mike and friend of the show, Dan, w- went to went out for lunch at Sneaky D's a couple of months ago. And you guys have memories, or you have memories at least, of me eating nachos with you and Dan at a sneaky D at sneaky D's, which is a bar in downtown Toronto classic nacho venue. Yeah. Very well known for their nachos. And I am adamant that I was not at that lunch. And you say that I was there. I'm so it's one of those things that I've been on the other side of it too before. And it's really weird because you're certain that you weren't there, but yeah. then someone will bring up like a, a moment or show you a, a picture that you were and you're like, Oh, I guess I guess yeah. I was. I'm still looking for a photo of you at that. We might. We probably didn't take a picture, oh, but God. in my mind, you are a hundred percent there at that table. And I think it's a bit of Mandela effect. You know, you ever mm. heard that term? Yeah, yeah, I know the one. Like, yeah, where just... it's like you, you, like you know, I'm I'm still certain that Berenstain Bears is spelt like Berenstain, <laughs> like that. I remember when I saw that. I'm like, no, no, that's it's E I N. It's not A I N. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's one of those things that like just over time you've probably put it in your head that I was there so yeah, much yeah. that I'm I'm just in that memory for you now and I'm I'm honestly certain that I've only been to Sneaky D's once and, and I'm sure you're sh- right. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and it was to see a show once. It was by myself and and like if you yeah. can find a photo with me with you guys at uh, at lunch and uh, I, I'll I mean we should make a bet about this or something. But Dan even said last night because he said I'm pretty sure you know Brandon was there, Braden was there, but I don't think Neil was there. But it was so. funny. His first reaction was that you were there. Yeah, and I was like, no, I wasn't. And yeah. then he said, oh, maybe you weren't. And yeah, like, yeah. It's another one of those things where everyone's just false remembering me being at places. It bugs <laughs> me. It just bothers me when people do that to me because, like, I have such a good memory of places that I've been and events and everything, like, except for when you're a kid, you know, like, yeah. your parents tell you you went to Disneyland when you were two and who the hell remembers that. But See, that's the thing. I think I also have a very good memory. And so that's why I'm always very oh, certain damn. <laughs> that I, it's a two, it's like an immovable object against an unstoppable yeah. force. <laughs> There's got to be a way to get to the bottom of this. We don't have photos. Maybe Sneaky D's has some kind of a security, <laughs> security system, system that goes back six years to that day. <laughs> if we can find the date, like credit card records and everything, we'll see what day that we're actually there. I've had that with uh, classes in university. I, I didn't realize I was in this one class uh, that another person was in and they were certain I was in that class, and it turns out I was. But I honestly <laughs> just forgot that I was ever in it. It just was a, it was a half semester class. I, you mm-hmm. know, really didn't didn't think much of it. It was it was a pretty small one. It was an elective, and I wasn't there with anyone else I really knew well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wasn't there with any of our friends of the show, and so in my mind, you know, five years later, that class is gone from yeah. my memory. Uh, Isn't that and, weird? And and I had 
to really, you know, like I was fighting. I was like, no, I never took that class. <laughs> Isn't that so weird how that type of a thing can happen? Like, like yeah. you got to think, you know, there's 365 days in a year. And how many of those days from that year do you really remember? Like there are days yeah. that are missing from your brain that you can't remember. There's events in there. But like an entire class, even if it's a half semester, that's a few months of your life where you were there almost, what, once a week or twice a week. I skipped a lot, I think. Yeah, <laughs> I must <that's> probably <laughs> zoning out doing something else Yeah, in class, well, that was but... the thing. You just like... A yeah. lot of our lives are just going on to the next thing. So we forget yeah. the present uh, a lot. And yeah. that's just a good example of it. But yeah, yeah. Memory is a weird thing, Neil. Weird thing. Yeah, I know. One of us are right about me being at Sneaky D's on that day. And <laughs> I'm sure I think it's you. <laughs> I think I'm right, but I could be right. Uh, side note, we should go to Sneaky D's sometime and have some of those nachos because they sound delicious. I swear to God, I've never <laughs> eaten them. <laughs> Mike, I rebel from Patreon writes in, uh, listeners, if you want to support us on Patreon, you can find us at the $1 and the $5 a month tier. Our page is The GameCube Was Cool. I rebel wants to know, if for some reason you guys were forced out of living in Canada and had to move to the United States and you could never cross the border into Canada again, where would you guys live in the United States and why? Hmm. So listeners, if you don't know, Mike and I record this show from Toronto. We've lived in the Toronto area our entire lives, never lived in the United States. We've visited several of the states and cities throughout the years. And uh, up until now, I've had really no intention of ever moving out of Canada. I still have no intentions of moving out of Canada. But if there was ever some sort of a colossal event, uh, natural disaster, King Kong comes and destroys Toronto or all of Canada. Uh, could happen. Could happen. It could happen any day, Mike. Yep. Uh, where would you most likely want to go live in the United States? Have you ever thought about this before? Uh, you know what? I definitely have. There was a time that I really wanted to move to San Fran because that's where my mom's family is from and yeah. I have ties there. Uh, but it kind of sucks uh, to be sponsored in the States in order to move. It needs to yeah. be a brother, sister, or um, uh, or parent uh, to sponsor you. It can't be an aunt, uncle, grandfather, grandparent, anything like uh, that. Which okay. is, I don't know, that's kind of weird. But anyways, I so I couldn't be sponsored, so I didn't go to san fran um but okay. i would love to live just south of that in san diego because san diego is just mm-hmm. honestly the perfect city it's so nice yeah. all the time the weather is like never too too hot it's always mm-hmm. at like peak 28 degrees that's beautiful like when it gets any hotter than 30 like i draw the line in in canada mm-hmm. at least like when it's like when you wake up and it's already 26 degrees you know you're in for a bad day so that type of weather would be perfect i would love to san, san diego would be awesome just they beautiful also- yeah, they also have some really great skate parks too, which would be fun. San Diego like, it looks Zoo. Like San Diego Zoo. Everyone just looks so fit. Like you're very close yeah. to the water and everything. And that's where uh, Blink-182 are from, I think, mm-hmm. as well, which yeah, is kind of cool. Yeah, around there, I think, yeah. Yeah, something like that. That's a good choice. I went with, uh, if I could go, like I love Myrtle Beach. That's one of my favorite Ooh, places yeah. in, in the States. I love going to South Carolina. Don't think I'd want to live there. It's more of like a touristy city, town. Uh, not far from like Charlotte, but I don't want to live in Charlotte. I really loved when you and I went to New York a few years ago. I I really like New York actually. That'd be a, even though I'm not like a huge city guy. Mm-hmm. Something about it, it felt like Toronto. I guess is why I'd probably it'd be the easiest city to move to because it's basically a bigger Toronto, more dense as well. But some of the suburbs are really nice and lots to do. Baseball. See, that's the thing. If if I moved to the states, I wouldn't want to move to like another Toronto. Like yeah, because I, I, I have. Toronto, yeah, but, 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 but I guess King back. Kong destroyed it, yeah, right, right? Exactly, exactly. But San, San Diego is a great choice too because you got you got all the nice weather, you got some great great areas to explore. Uh, I'm sure there's like a ton of concert venues that you could go to as well. So that that's a great choice too. Phoenix also would be pretty would be pretty cool. That's like that that would be my, my number two would be Phoenix. Great music scene. It gets really hot there though, doesn't it? Yeah, that's the only thing, and it's yeah. hot like at night. It's like a weird because yeah. I've been there and it's. 
you know, it'll be close to 100 degrees at like 1230 in, like, in the morning. Yeah, I'm, I'm not about that. <laughs> it's like, how, how how is it not cooled off? Uh, if anyone's listening from Arizona, you can, you're, you're just nodding your head right now. You're like, yep. They're listening to this sweating in front of their fans. Like, it's true. It's, it's true. It's a dry heat, Neil. It's a dry heat. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the heck that means. I Rebel has a bonus question, Mike, if you want to answer this one really quick. It's if, if it happened to you guys, what would be the reason that you could no longer live in Canada and had to live in the States? Well, King Kong, as we, we said. We already decided. Some yeah. sort of a giant monster. I actually think, Mike, the most likely thing is that Canada got destroyed by whatever crazy monster just came out of Lake Ontario because it's been so badly polluted over the last 200 years. <laughs> There's just this giant monster of Tim Hortons cups and cigarette butts. It can breathe fire. It just destroys the entire country. We can't get out of it, and we have to move down south. And for whatever reason, that that monster doesn't have his passport, can't get down to the states. So that's where we would go for safe refuge. Yeah, I mean, I, I I'm not. I can't even. Other than that, I can't even think. <laughs> of, it has to be like an environmental thing. But I feel yeah. like people will be coming to Canada in the years mm-hmm. to come because. Uh, it's going to get probably warmer in a lot of places. A lot of places will be more livable, where yeah. like places like San Francisco just won't exist in 50 years. It's going to be underwater. Half, <laughs> yeah. half of the states are going to be underwater in no time. Yeah, I think we're we're pretty safe here for natural disasters. There's nothing too bad. We don't have like active volcanoes that are seconds away from erupting, which is a good thing. But anyway, Irabelle, thank you so much for writing in for that fantastic opening Patreon topic. But it's time for our new favorite segment. That's right. It's time for the mailbag. Ladies and gentlemen, if you want to write into us, you can do so on any of the social media platforms of your choice. Or you can leave us a review on whatever podcast platform you listen to us on. We will read it on the show. Just like Mike, who wrote into us today. On Patreon, Joey Sirico wrote in saying, I've been listening to you guys for about a month now and have loved all your episodes. So much so that I've been checking out your backlog and listening to your past episodes in descending order. Hopefully not our first episode. Yeah, start with episode two, Joey. (laughs) I've recently been starting a new job that has a pretty meaty commute, but you guys make it so much easier and actually enjoyable. Your guys' dynamic is so friendly and genuine, which I'm sure comes from the decades of friendship you guys have. Congrats on 20 years. Hmm. I think this dynamic is what sets you guys apart as podcasters. You make your listeners feel very at home in your GameCube-shaped house. <laughs> Keep up the amazing work, guys. I love your show so much. Thanks, Joey. That's really nice. Thank. I'm really glad that our friendship comes through over the podcast right after I started this episode with telling Mike <laughs> what I don't like that he does to me. <laughs> Other than that, it's perfect. Last 20 years, smooth sailing. Oh, and I'm glad that we live in a GameCube-shaped house, finally. Yeah. I mean, the roof is no good. In Canada, I never understood the whole flat roof houses. In We have a flat roof on part of her house and it is nothing but trouble yeah why would you do that i mean like it's a walkout isn't it on your house or is it not it was supposed to be i think when they made it and then they realized that there's no structural support yeah (laughs) just gonna fall right through it into the garage yeah yeah those are the two things that i never understood in canada i've said before is uh interlocking brick driveways and then flat roofs like snow and ice it's such a bad idea like you don't want to do that to yourself in in a country where there's so much ice and snow but yeah maybe someday when we have millions of dollars we'll create a gamecube shaped house that's also snowproof and at the top, it'll be the Mario Kart level. Oh, like the, for the battle. That would be <laughs> so cool. Mode. We'd have fun. we'd have the best parties, dude. That'd be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, thank you, Joey, for writing in, and uh, we're glad we can help your commute along, mm-hmm. uh, make that a little nicer. Uh, I know a lot of listeners are like that. They listen to us in the car, which is great. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, it's like having two people. So does that count as going in the HOV lane, Neil? It should. That'd be amazing if while you're listening to a podcast, you can ride in the HOV lane. We're we're in there with you. We hate traffic just as much as you do, Joey. So let's make some more amazing GameCube content with episode 62 of the GameCube Was Cool podcast. New episode every Thursday on all the major podcast services. 
services. We are the number one GameCube podcast on the internet, and we're here to look back on all 555 North American GameCube games, one by one, sometimes 12 by 12. So far, we have covered 303 GameCube games. You can visit thegamecubewascool.com to check out all the things we've been working on. The website was developed by our very own Mike Lane. That's me. That's him. Last week, we covered poker, volleyball, pool, bowling, and tennis on the Nintendo GameCube. It was a really fun episode. If you haven't already, go back and check it out. This week, we are looking back at some of the big monster games on the Nintendo GameCube, specifically Peter Jackson's King Kong and Rampage. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah I'm, I'm excited. I actually am pretty amped up for this episode, Neil. Not that I'm not amped up for other episodes, mm-hmm. but this was one that I I didn't know a lot about, especially the King Kong game. Yeah. And I'm ex- really excited to talk about that as we go on. But just monster movies in general are such a... It's such an interesting subgenre, mm-hmm. uh, and I've always been a big fan. I grew up watching a lot of Godzilla movies because my dad uh, used to watch Godzilla movies at the drive-in, I guess, all the time, oh, wow. and they were the ones that were dubbed. <laughs> yep. And so it was like just like people moving their mouths. <laughs> <laughs> but those movies were still ahead of their time, even though now they're very corny. Back then, that was what they had. They didn't have the CG effects, and yeah, it was the first like. The first big American Godzilla film, was that the Matthew Broderick one in, in 2000 or 99? Would that have been the first big one? There must have been American like ones Like actual American one. Yeah. yeah. That's a, you know what? You're probably – like that's probably it. Like yeah. the uh, – obviously the Japanese ones got shown here, but that, yeah. that might have been the, the biggest American-made one. Hmm. I actually really like the Godzilla reboot, if you will, of 2014 or 15. I, I actually like that movie. I haven't seen the newest ones. That movie was good. The yeah. King of Monsters that came after it was not very good. Okay. Uh, uh, I mean, it's it's a hard thing, right? Because there's always the tension between having a plot and having mm-hmm. monsters just fighting each other. And for right. me, I'm all about just having the monsters fight each other. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm there for. Yeah, like the King of Monsters trailer worried me when I saw all the actors in it. I was like, why are there so many people in this movie? <laughs> I just want to see monsters. I don't want to see that. Yeah, and man. I didn't realize how much I liked big monster movies. Like Pacific Rim is a really fun movie. Also like Cloverfield is in my top 10 favorite movies of all time, which is kind of like a Godzilla film, but not. That's so, that's such a, a unique movie mm-hmm. and a, a very like place and time too, Cloverfield. I remember when that came out, that was like very talked about on the schoolyard, you know, yeah. because it was the marketing behind it was was pretty unique. Uh, I remember they they were just putting posters everywhere and you could never actually see the monster. You didn't know what right. it was about. Mm-hmm. It was very much like a found footage movie, which is always a risky thing to do. Yeah. But uh, I remember seeing that. Not in theaters. I might have seen it at your house or something. Maybe. I, I saw it for a friend of the show, John's birthday, and when we were in grade oh. nine. And we stayed up until like three in the morning. We stayed up later than that. But like after the movie, we talked about it. We were like dissecting it for like four hours after we left the oh theater. God. Which, I, yeah, we were just talking about Cloverfield and like going on YouTube back in 2008 when YouTube was very primitive still. Uh, just yeah. trying, trying to find f- fan theories about a movie that had just come out. It was one of the more – it just – exceeded all my expectations of this movie that i knew very little about when we were going to go see it for his birthday which was a fun time to go and see movies when you didn't know a ton about it and then you had to go on the internet which was like hard to find fan theories at the time but that that's what we did for several hours after that movie after we watched that movie that's a cool story yeah Yeah. i i i know they kept it very under wraps you didn't like no one knew what the monster even was no one knew what the movie was about right And, and I've, I've, I've been to very few movies in theaters where I literally knew nothing about the movie. And it is a really cool experience when you get to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I watched a movie called Hardcore Henry years ago. Uh, and it's it's supposed to be the first ever movie that's filmed fully 
uh, through GoPro footage. Oh, cool. And it's really cool. Uh, I've never really heard anything about it afterwards, uh, but it's a very unique movie and very strange. But uh, I I was a big fan because I had no idea what was going to happen because I, I didn't even know what this movie was. I, I, <laughs> that's the that's the best way to go into movies is to avoid trailers these days because trailers are so spoiler heavy. And it's just something that we did as a kid more often because you couldn't watch trailers uh, at a, on a moment's notice because they weren't all over the internet. But uh, a movie that I did see back, back in the day was King Kong, uh, specifically Peter Jackson's King Kong. Uh, I saw that in theaters with a friend of mine. I remember thinking it was insanely long. It's a very long yeah. movie, uh, but I sat through it uh, as kids, and it was a really fun one. And there's a really good video game based on this movie, which uh, we're going to talk about right now. Yeah, well, let's 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 talk about King Kong himself for a minute here. Sure, sounds uh, good. Because he is uh, probably one of the longest running franchises in history. You know, probably. since the 1933 film, mm-hmm. that was the big one. Uh, basically everyone references that for any monster movie and, and, you know, makes fun of it so much too for, for any movie. It's always parodied. Yeah. Uh, and it's a classic, uh, it, you know, if you watch it today, it's, it's, it's what a 1933 monster movie is, right? Yes. <laughs> but it's, it's still very cool. Very, very influential. Uh, and I was just looking up some stuff about King Kong. Rankin and Bass, apparently the great animators had a King Kong show in the sixties. Really? Yeah, didn't know that. Um, I like that he's always had a lot of different narrative styles. He's yeah. he can be a rampaging monster, or he can be kind of a tragic antihero like the Hulk. Yeah, there's there's uh, actually a story, a comic book story where he fights. There's a lot of crossovers, but there's one with him in a, a Superman comic too, where he fights Superman, uh, which is really neat. I saw that on his Wikipedia page. He's crossed over into a lot of things, man, like cartoons, other movies, music, music videos, like mm-hmm. rides, comics, toys. Like he's on. Since 1933, been in and on everything. Like it's, it's an under underrated, just stealthily has gotten into every piece of media that <laughs> is really possible, and he, uh, even video games as well. And it's funny because King Kong, like such a well known character, it's crazy that it seems like no one seems to know exactly who owns the rights to King Kong. Uh, oh yes, yeah. Like famously, we talked about back on the Kirby Air Ride episode. Uh, Back in the 1980s, uh, Universal were suing Nintendo because they made Donkey Kong, and Universal thought that they owned full rights to the Kong name. So they sued Nintendo uh, for making millions of dollars off of Donkey Kong, and that Mm -hmm. case was eventually won by uh, Jack Kirby, uh, which is who Nintendo eventually named their pink pink ball after, the Kirby character, which is Mm -hmm. a really interesting story. And even to this day, like, there's RKO Pictures. They own the rights to the original film and the sequel. And then there's Dino De Laurentiis uh, is a company. They own the rights to the 1976 remake. Uh, There's Richard Cooper, who owns uh, book publishing rights. And then Universal owns a bunch of leftover rights, basically. So it's just such such a muddled mess of who owns King Kong. It's pretty insane. Yeah, I, I was doing a lot of reading about it because obviously I knew about the Universal lawsuit in 1982, but it wanted to kind of do a deeper dive. And because Universal did that, they actually exposed themselves um, and they, they were basically countersued and lost all the rights to the name because people just, it was just an assumption that Universal, Universal had those rights. Mm. Because that, that's what a lot of law is often is interpretation of things, right? Right. And so if no one's going to fight it, it's just going to – that's going to – it's going to stay that way, right? Mm-hmm. But when Universal opened themselves up and had to put all their 
uh, all their information, all their documents. And the judge realized it's like, no, you actually don't own this character at all and actually have no license over this because they were basically, you know, fighting that, it, that it was, it was theirs exclusively. And so that was a real landmark case mm-hmm. uh, just for, uh, for intellectual property in general. And because of that, it actually kind of made Disney look at their properties and start um, making sure that their copyright was secure, which it wasn't for a lot of them. A lot of their stuff had already gone into the public domain. Right. Uh, that's one of the big reasons why Disney constantly puts out reissues almost of their old material, you know, creating a live action Lion King and stuff right. like that. It's to keep that copyright. Mm-hmm. And so this was actually the big, uh, this was the big legal case that started this whole, you know, copyright war almost, if you can think of it that way. Mm-hmm. It's that's it's really interesting about the whole King Kong thing and did did Universal make the Skull Island movie that came out in like 2018? Is that a Universal? I think that was movie? Warner actually. Right. Okay. Yeah. Because See, again, the King Kong rights like there you can you can kind of use his rights anywhere and that's why he's so malleable and that's why he's everywhere uh, hmm. these days. That's so weird. Anyway, let's move on to talking about the video game that the 2005 movie was uh, based on. Uh, mm-hmm. The worst titled video game on the GameCube to the Best Game Award goes to this game. <laughs> We're going to be talking about Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie, was released on November 21st, 2005. It's developed by Ubisoft Montpellier. It's published by Ubisoft. It's also on Game Boy Advance, Windows, PlayStation 2, Xbox, Nintendo DS, Xbox 360, and PlayStation Portable. It rates an 8 out of 10. That's the GameCube version. Uh, It's priced today at around $25, and it would be considered an action-adventure game. And this game was incredibly successful for a 2005 game. By end of March 2006, the game had sold 4.5 million copies across all platforms, which is pretty good for a movie tie-in at this time. Very, very good for a movie time. And I think let's just go into a little bit of history of the movie. Sure. So we have uh, Peter Jackson, mm-hmm. you know, coming off three Lord of the Rings movies, literally on top of the world. Yeah. He can do whatever he wants. He chooses to, to make his favorite childhood movie, which is King Kong, and basically remakes the 1933 movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and while doing this, he was really interested in video games at the time. He had been actually signed on to make a Halo movie uh, that never came out in the early 2000s. Um, he And he didn't like the Lord of the Rings games at all, which is funny because we think they're actually quite good, most of them. Yeah. But uh, he, he didn't like it and really wanted to be more involved the next time he made a media project. And lo and behold, King Kong was being made. So when he went to the Oscars to win, uh, to get his uh, Return of the King award, uh, he was kind of shopping King Kong to to people, to video game developers, even before he had started creating the movie, because he knew that it needed to be done kind of at the same time. And uh, Michel Ancel, who is the Ubisoft designer uh, who worked for Ubisoft, he created Rayman and Beyond Good and Evil, Neil. Very big Ubisoft uh, developer at the time, or director at the time. It's Mm -hmm. really good that the director of the movie uh, collaborated with the director of the game. I think that that's key for a successful it's movie tie-in. unheard of. It is. Absolutely like, unheard of. We've talked about a ton of movie tie-in games at this point where the developers for the video game didn't even have the script until a few weeks <laughs> yeah. before the game like comes out. At that point, it's too late to even <laughs> tie it into the story. They have to do with this last-minute string-together mess of a video game. But to see, to see Peter Jackson have enough uh, 
have enough dedication to the game being successful, and they even brought back the the actors too, um, Adrian Brody, uh, Naomi Watts, and uh, Jack Black. Uh, Adrian Brody playing Waluigi. Adrian Brody is Waluigi playing <laughs> in the King Kong video game, of course. Adrian Brody. Yeah, he came back to reprise their roles as well, and it added to the game immensely because they didn't mail it in. No, because the lines are made specifically for this game too. Exactly. Like there's it's there's a whole script that was made just for this game. Obviously, they took some stuff from the movie, but. The acting is is really really well done. Like I was I was actually blown away, mm-hmm. especially by Jack Black's yeah uh, performance. It felt like he actually wanted to do this. <laughs> I know. And, and Jack Black was later in the seventh generation video game Brutal Legend, which was right. a very yes. critically and commercially well received game. A bit of a cult classic now, actually. Uh, so this was kind of his first entry into video games, and again a very successful one and a bit of a hidden gem on on the GameCube specifically. I very rarely ever hear people talking about it, but it did pick up uh, several awards between 2005 and 2006, including the best video game based on a movie. So, so yeah, let's go into why this actually deserves to be talked about because sure. that was the first thing I thought when I saw the, the ratings, when I saw the praise. I was like, okay, but like, why is this a good movie tie-in game? Mm-hmm. You know, even if a director is involved, it's not guaranteed to actually be good. Right. Uh, we know what Ubisoft was doing in the early 2000s, Neil. And... Yeah. They did not know their place in the video game market yet. But when I'm watching gameplay of King Kong, uh, sorry, when I'm watching gameplay of Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official game of the movie, <laughs> Thank I, you. I, no problem. I instantly <laughs> think of Far Cry. And that's a Ubisoft yeah. game now. I just get such vibes of, first of all, Turok. I, I instantly thought of Turok, the dinosaur hunting game from the N64 and, and GameCube generation, but specifically the N64 generation. I just instantly thought it was a Turok game. But I also thought, you know, going into the more modern day games, I'm just thinking like, this is this is Far Cry. Just watching the way yeah. that the characters, uh, you know, go through the go through the jungle in this case, and they're hunting. They're hunting dinosaurs and giant bugs, which are giant enemy crabs, which is hilarious. But I instantly thought of of those games that Ubisoft are famous for now. And this was kind of like their Mm -hmm. first entry into uh, that market of there was a huge first person shooter boom in the seventh generation of video games like in on the GameCube early GameCube games, the first-person shooters that you're probably going to think of are Medal of Honor, Call of Duty, and James Bond. But when you get into the PlayStation 3, Xbox 360, uh, you think of the modern-day Call of Duty, but you also think of games like Bioshock and Resistance and Far Cry and like Portal 2, where first-person shooters were getting, getting going and being insanely popular. And this is really one of the first big... Uh, games of the sen- seventh generation it was on xbox 360 as well it looked a launch bit, title for xbox 360 a launch title so yeah it, it was a nice dovetail from the gamecube generation to xbox 360 yeah and yeah like you said the game looks quite uh like quite good even on the gamecube the preferred way to play is the xbox 360 because it came out a bit after the gamecube and ps3 releases sure uh so that they it was you know up a little bit they fixed some glitches all that stuff but still playing it on the gamecube is still a great time uh and i just want to talk about one of the craziest things i've ever seen in a game and that's the fact that this game has no hud i know there's no heads-up display and i have never ever seen this no uh, especially in a 2005 
movie tie-in game like what very ahead of its time very pc almost like they're making a pc shooting game and like it doesn't show you how much ammo you have left it doesn't tell you your health if you want to know how many bullets you have left the character (laughs) will tell you kind of like oh i got i got six bullets left and that's how you know and you know what's crazy is that if you do it too much Mm. uh characters will actually make fun of you for counting ammo out loud there's a scene where (laughs) they'll say you want to quit counting out loud or maybe you want to attract more of those things when uh, (laughs) it's counting uh where the dinosaurs are very smart. I love it when video games can can put the HUD into the game, inserting it kind of naturally, almost like in Dead Space, how the health bar is on your back. Like it's part of your spacesuit. That's one of my favorite yeah. things about that game is the HUD is basically on your spacesuit, which is really neat. But and no target. Like no nope. um no no crosshair. Yeah. No nope. aiming reticle, anything. It's uh, that that really threw me off at first. Because I was looking like, is this is there supposed to be oh yeah right there's supposed to be a reticle here and a lot of the game is you throwing spears because you run out of ammo or you want to conserve your ammo it's almost got a little bit of a survival horror element to it so you want to use basically sticks and bones and spears because they're more readily available and they don't do a lot of damage to the to the monsters so you want to use them wisely and you want to use them effectively but there's no aiming reticle on the screen to tell you where that thing is going so you end up throwing a ton of them to eventually take down a pterodactyl or god forbid the t-rex which that t-rex oh, is yeah. terrifying let's talk about that for a second you're kind of yeah. stalked by this giant t-rex for the entire game and you have to you know shoot at it you have to eventually fight it as king kong as well mm-hmm. but i think i was watching xbox 360 footage of it and it looks really good yes like, <laughs> like jurassic put a lot park of work into that yeah like jurassic park level amazing uh, effects of the t-rex it almost reminded me of the t-rex from super mario odyssey which yeah. is funny. Like it looked like the exact same model and everything. It was kind of hilarious. But the scenes of that dinosaur walking around when you're in the jungle in the rain was so like horrifying to a point. And all you have is this like rifle and some spears. And you've got to find a way to sneak around it or kill it. And you can't because it's just this monster of a beast. That's another thing to bring up too. The fact that you mentioned the rain. So there's there's rain scenes. There's night scenes. There's a mm-hmm. lot of different things. You know, they could have... Uh, not that they were going to ever mail it in because clearly they wanted to make a really good game, but they could have easily just made it all, uh, all taking place in the daytime. No rain, you know, mm-hmm. no one would have, no one would have blinked an eye. Right. Yeah. But mm-hmm. the fact that they put rain physics in, they, they put a lot of these hard lighting effects that they had to get in the dark. Uh, it's, it's so impressive in that sense. And you know what reminded me of it so much more was Last of Us 2. That's yeah. what. I really think of when I saw this game for the first time, I was like, you know what? This is like a Last of Us Part Two style in like in 2005, especially <laughs> the survival part of it. Mm-hmm. And you get to switch, I guess, minor spoilers for The Last of Us 2. You get to switch between the two main characters in King Kong. You get to switch between playing as Waluigi and King Kong. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is really neat. You're you're playing as uh, Jack Driscoll the, as in the first person. He's kind of like the main protagonist of the movie, played yeah. by Adrian Brody. And then you get to go play as King Kong as this third person gorilla uh, traversing the jungle and fighting dinosaurs and everything as King Kong. It's a really neat change up. Almost again, like Sp- Ultimate Spider-Man, we talk about all the time. Switching between Spider-Man and Venom is really fun. In this game, switching between sort of like a not a badass like Nathan Drake adventurer he's kind of a normal dude who's uh, just yeah. st- stuck on this island this this hell of an island and fighting dinosaurs and, and giant gorillas and then King Kong who's been on this island for years he's kind of like the overpowered venom character in this game snapping dinosaur jaws to kill them the, the King Kong uh, parts though I will say are probably where the game is is its worst uh, yeah because they aren't as fun 
as the survival style. You're kind of just jankily going through. The graphics kind of take a dip as well when he's fighting a lot of these enemies other than the T-Rex. I'd say that's probably the 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 low point of the game is honestly a game about King Kong. The worst part is Kong. <laughs> it is. It's too bad. It's kind of, that's the part of the game where they're trying to just show off what they did. Like, look, yeah. we made this amazing gorilla simulator sort of thing and just hold down a, we'll do the rest. You know, we'll do the, it's kind of like the beginning of uh quick time events where you push a button and it does all the fighting for you. We just want to show you these amazing animations of a giant gorilla fighting a, a T-Rex because that's what people went to go see the movie for. And that's what you're going to play this game for. But no, the first person, person parts of the game actually outshine the king kong parts oh which yeah is really funny I, I i was watching a couple of videos about this too and there's a really good video by mini minimum mme uh who they had a fantastic video about the king kong game and talked about how they would have loved to see it uh if there's king kong when you played as king kong you would play in the areas that you just played as humans in uh and vice versa so you could see the destruction oh, okay. uh if you're a human you, you go through it's like oh king kong was just here like i did that i mm. i knocked this area over that was knocked over before or something like that That's... because oftentimes they'll have king kong in this random area that you don't know anything about and you're just kind of jumping along and all of a sudden you're back to the humans in this other area and mm. it, it kind of feels disjointed in that sense that does remind me a lot of Last of Us Part Two again, where yeah. you go through the story as one character and you go through the story as another, and you kind of see the effects of the other character on the world. Yes, and that I would have loved to see in King, in King Kong. But I know yeah. this was a 2005 game that sure. was so ambitious already. Mm -hmm. Like The fact that they were able to do so much of this is honestly unbelievable to me. Uh, but yeah. yeah. Another thing, too, that I wanted to mention is... There was actually bonus discs for some of the King Kong games, specifically the first ones that would come out, okay. I guess, as special editions. And for this game, there was actually a behind-the-scenes disc on there. So it, was, it wasn't a DVD. It was an actual mini-disc. And you could play it on your GameCube and watch the wow. movie on your GameCube. Like, watch, not watch the King Kong movie, but watch this documentary of the, making the game that Peter Jackson did. Wow, that's incredible. I love stuff like that in... They need to do more stuff like that in games, man. I know that, like, is there anything... Like, is it on YouTube? They must have probably ripped it to YouTube by now. Yeah, yeah, it's on YouTube, so you can actually just watch it on there. But at the time, you could only... Think about that. You could only watch this on your GameCube disc, yeah. <laughs> on your mini disc. Maybe it, maybe it was on the, uh, the DVD of the movie if you had it. Maybe they'd have something on there about the game. But still, that's crazy. There could not have been too many of those on the GameCube where a director was talking about the game, basically like a movie. There was the one with... It was like Fireblade. You remember that? And that came with the DVD of something and then we were trying to figure out how the dvd got in the case <laughs> yes i think i do remember that what was the fireblade for was it for an is fireblade a movie or a show no I, no fireblade was like it was that helicopter oh yeah um rescue thing i don't know what the dvd was I, for the life of me i can't remember no. it clearly wasn't something interesting no. but still that's crazy uh, even though nobody watches dvds anymore having some kind of bonus content where you can talk to the director of the game would add a little bit of life to games. And it's been, Mike, it's been 16 years almost, and this would, would have been the last major standalone King Kong game. And one of the last times we saw King Kong at all up until a few years ago where they were teasing the hell out of it in the Godzilla films and eventually brought him back onto the screen and we saw him fight Godzilla on the big screen in 2020, which was a ton of fun to see finally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but like I said before, the ratings, uh, it seemed like the PlayStation 2, Xbox, and 360 version are the ways to go. The handheld versions are not great, especially the DS no. <laughs> one. That one was like a mess. I think it reviewed mainly twos out of ten. Like it was not good. But like why are you buying that on DS? Right? I don't know. Yeah, just <laughs> – hey, the DS was huge in 2005. I'm it's sure people true, were yeah. buying just about anything. 
<laughs> so yeah, definitely a game I'm going to be on the lookout for though on GameCube yeah. in the future. There is an alternate ending to the game as well that was approved by Peter Jackson, uh, who actually wanted this in the game, uh, and it was the fact that you could save King Kong uh, at the end. Of, uh, you know, spoilers: King Kong in the movie dies, falls uh, from the building. Yeah, yeah, falls from the building. The classic scene, uh, and in the game, you can actually save him if you play the game again and get like a certain amount of points and collectibles, whatever. Which is not very hard. The game is only about six hours uh, to complete. Almost the same length as the movie. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is quite a short game in that sense so you can do it and i actually want to get the game just to do that because i do want to see the uh uh you know the the yeah. alternate ending where kong is saved he gets to go back to his island yeah. and uh, yeah yeah that, that'd be a lot of fun i i think this would be a great play along for you and i to to check out and yeah it, it's up there with one of the great movie tie-ins like spider-man 2 mike like like spider-man 2 i mean hey spider-man 2 i can admit is a very good movie tie and i just yeah. don't love the game yeah i mean that this one was probably a little bit tighter because the director of the movie helped to develop the game which clearly yeah. is the way to go and should have been done way more when we had movie tie-ins yeah and this is probably you know this and hit and run mm. might be the only ones i can think of where the the director or the creative team was directly involved in the making of it you know i know about you neil but i can't think of any others other than hit and run and maybe maybe uh stick like stick of truth yeah, the south, park games. south park stick of truth came to mind instantly um, yeah after that I, I can't think of any but mike we still have one more game to cover today similar to king kong but before we do that i think we should read the back of the case of peter jackson's king kong the official game of the movie <laughs> yes we should all right but first victor hit us with that jingle it's time to read what's on the back of the case. There's things written on the back of the case. Let's read them. And now we're reading the back of the case. Play as man. Play as Kong. Embark on an epic adventure created in collaboration with Academy Award-winning director Peter Jackson and based on the Universal Pictures film. I did not know that based on the title. Could not tell it was based on the film. <laughs> Survive as Jack, you mean Waluigi, in a world crawling with predators and live the legend as Kong. So uh, I was looking at the case as well, and on the back of it, it does have Peter Jackson's uh, studio on there, which means that he probably bankrolled a lot of this game himself, mm. which is pretty cool to think about. I mean, he made his money back. 4.5 million units is really good, even though it was on a ton of different consoles. I'm sure he made his money back on this one. Made, the, made his money back on the, the, the movie as well. The, the movie, I think, grossed uh, almost $600 million. Wow. It was a $200 million budget movie, though, in 2005, which mm. was one of the most expensive movies made ever. and still is. $200 million on a movie is pretty crazy. Yeah. Well, Peter Jackson was like the Christopher Nolan of the early 2000s, like you said. With Lord of the Rings, he, had, he was on top of the world with the movies that he made. So it makes sense that he had a ton of money to pump into this. And it paid off. It's a yeah. fantastic game and still holds up to this day. Got the green light to, to make a three-hour monster movie, <laughs> which will never happen again. No, no, that's the end of that era. But let's move on to the next game on our list today, which is Rampage Total Destruction. Came out on April 24th, 2006. The game was developed by Pipeworks Software. It's published by Midway Games. It's also on PlayStation 2 and Wii. This game rates about a 6 out of 10, also around $25 today. And this would be considered like an action game where the the goal is to basically destroy as much of the city as you can in the specified time that you've been given. Have you seen Record Ralph? You're Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> That's what it is. Basically, yeah. 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 And actually, it's funny. We'll get into that. But they did base uh, Record Ralph a bit off of Rampage. Ah, that makes uh, sense. 
but uh, let's just talk about the history of Rampage, just like we did with the history of Kong. Uh, it does not go back to 1933, unfortunately, Neil, but it does go back to the 80s, just like the, the Donkey Kong games. Uh, and for me, I never really knew about this until friend of the show, John, who's mentioned already, uh, he gave me Rampage for the Wii when we were, I think, in grade nine. Wow. And I had never heard of this game before, but it looked like... Uh, a fun time and he was like you, you'll probably like this so I was like, okay i'm not sure what that means <laughs> <laughs> is that an insult or <laughs> yeah. and, and i and i played it and i i did love it uh honestly i i know it doesn't have great reviews but i i did love playing that game it gave me a lot of the godzilla destroy all monsters vibe yes and it, it, the wii version was more the deluxe version yep i guess it had more more levels more characters more everything mm-hmm. uh and so i had never actually played the gamecube version of this but Let's go to 1986 when Rampage was released for the Amiga, Apple II, a whole host of other 80s consoles. If you can, if it was out in the 80s, uh, it was released for it. Mm-hmm. And the whole idea with it was that the game designers weren't big arcade uh, game fans. They wanted to move into creating games for consoles. And because of this, they conceived Rampage as a game in which there was no wrong way to play very ahead of its time, uh, we think of The Sims uh, and and games like that that we talked about on our Sims episode, which, again, were ahead of their time in the 90s. Well, this was 86, and yeah. this was kind of just a free-for-all, destroy-building uh, <laughs> game. And it is a, a very classic arcade game. Oh, definitely. This is one of the first arcade games going back to 1986. And, yeah, like you said, it's been on a ton of different consoles. It's even been on, like, the Sega Saturn, the N64, the, obviously the GameCube, the Game Boy Advance, Game Boy Color. So it's gone from arcade to home console to handheld. It's mm-hmm. such a shame that it's been basically dormant for the last 15 years because something like this would be a ton of fun to have, like, on the Switch, yeah. something to have on the go. We talk about that all the time, games that need to come out on Switch, and this is definitely one of them because there's there's really not anything like it. Like it, It's just a plain, yep. fun video game. It's not an open-world game with a gripping story. There is a story in this game if you want, but, <laughs> but the main the main crux of the game is that you're a giant monster. You can pick which one you want to play as. There's, there's several to pick from, and you just have to destroy a city. It's plain and simple as that. Basically, Godzilla destroys all monsters, but without the wrestling-style matches. This one is literally just jump from building to building and smash them and eat people in the process. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but doing so in a cartoony way that doesn't, you know, that isn't... Uh, that isn't unsafe for kids to watch. Like it, it's comp- it's pretty much a kid's game, despite the subject matter. And Neil, I know you're wondering this. The, the world is wondering this. Yes, Rampage did have a puzzle game. Mm. Uh, 2001 for Game Boy Advance Rampage Puzzle Attack That's was right. released. <laughs> we need to have a puzzle game in there. We need a bowling game in the Rampage universe as well. And a kart racer. Kart racer would actually be really good. Oh, rampage kart racer where you can like actually destroy the carts as you're driving. Yeah, or like smash through the cities and maybe that changes the track. That would be yeah. That'd be great. I think we just I think we just figured out what rampage needs to be. In rampage the <laughs> needs to come out of the woodwork already. It's it's owned by Warner Bros. Interactive actually. Uh, up to because I'm assuming mid well, midway RIP. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I guess it got bought by them yes. or from them. That the IP did. Yeah. Rampage is now owned by Warner Bros. After Midway went under, so that's why we also got a Rampage movie back in 2018, which was probably the way that they were testing to see what the uh, what the reception would be to a Rampage license being out in the wild again and i think that movie actually did okay in the box office critically it was it was demolished but uh, people went out to go see it it's a giant gorilla movie with the rock so you can't really go wrong with that no it wasn't with the rock that's the wrestler 
Oh, you're right. It was with Dwayne Johnson. You're right. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. I know. I know it's confusing. I get the two mixed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's okay. But yeah, the idea uh, with Rampage, like you said, you're just destroying buildings. You're trying to get high scores. Uh, in Rampage, Total Destruction, it's pretty fun because it's kind of all from a, a newscaster point of view. Mm-hmm. And so every time you finish the level, they actually have these, you know, it's like Channel 3. Uh, yeah. And like it has your monster just kind of sitting there with their scores coming up, which which I thought was a, a nice, little, uh, yeah. nice little addition. Yeah. And the just to go into the cutscenes of this game... Uh, I love it. I love the the animation <laughs> style that they that that they went with here. It reminds me of like what an animated movie would have looked like at the time. Like a lot yes. of the times with these with these, to be fair to or to be honest, like a budget title, uh, they they went with a style that really could be the style that an, that an animated TV show could be in the 2010s or even 2020s. Honestly, just put this into HD, and this could easily blend in with something that's currently on Netflix or Amazon Prime. Oh yeah, and the comedy is really basic but it's funny it's so slapstick it's stupid like one of my favorite things about this game is the plot and that is that you've basically drunk this this sort of uh, pop this fizzy drink that (laughs) has gone wrong and it's turning people into monsters Uh, specifically 30 people were affected by this drink i love that they have the statistic like exactly 30 people drank it and there are exactly 30 (laughs) monsters out in the cities which is hilarious and the whole point is that these are the characters you're playing as and the funniest thing is that if you turn back into a human at the end of the level because you quote unquote die or or whatever, mm. you turn into like a naked human running around because you've gone yeah. back to your normal state, <laughs> which is really funny and just a little charming thing added to it, which I love. So some of the characters we have here, we have George, who is the gorilla who's often on the, the front cover. And in the movie, too. That's the character in the movie. That's right. Yeah. Uh, we have Lizzie, who is the uh, female lizard. Uh, and Lizzie is not actually based on Godzilla, which most people think. Lizzie is actually based on Ymir from 20 Million Miles to Earth, which yeah. is a 50s and 60s uh, movie, I think, in comics as well that mm-hmm. were put out. Uh, they wanted to do Godzilla initially, but licensing and also the fact that he would be too large to fit the size constraints of the game. That's funny. And George is blatantly a Kong ripoff. They even said that. And again, this goes back to the fact that no one owned King Kong. That's right. <laughs> this might as well be a King Kong game, but because it's not, because King Kong is owned by nobody, uh, you can go ahead and copy this if you want to. But yep. <laughs> yeah. Some of my favorite characters in the game are Marco, who's like a shark. There's Plucky, yep. who's like a chicken uh squirmy is like this mummy made of worms which is kind of funny and then there's this character just named fabio who's kind of like this grasshopper insect thing there's such a whoever developed the characters for this game deserves like a gold medal or something the character design so good good. it very reminiscent of like even monsters inc which came out around the same time maybe slightly earlier than this so good so creative like i would love to see these characters get some get some life today like Give them, make them be a trophy and smash or something. Like, yeah. just give them something to do in in this year. I think it's just a fun. <laughs> They're all sitting around there waiting for their turn. You know, really, like you got this giant squid named Cal because of like calamari. I love the puns. It would be so, yeah. it would be so good to have these guys come back for just like a, a twenty dollar game on the Switch eShop. Like, it would be a no brainer to me, but. And, and of course, there is Ralph, who is the wolf, uh, who's been in every game since the first one. And Wreck-It Ralph, the name, comes from Ralph in this game. The, oh. the Disney said that they, that's where they took it from. Okay. And because Ralph, uh, Wreck-It Ralph in the Disney movie, is basically 
what Rampage is. It's uh, it's yeah. except it, he's the bad guy instead of the good guy, I guess, in, in the original Rampage. Right. That was that was a great idea for a film. Are any of the Rampage characters in Wreck-It Ralph? I was trying to figure that out. If like you know the meeting in Wreck-It Ralph where like all the oh, bad yeah. guys are in the the little kind of AA meeting for video game bad guys. I, remember, I couldn't like, find anything about it yeah. because that's that's the only thing I I assumed if I found that they would have like underneath saying oh and this character was also in sure. Wreck Ralph yeah but probably would have maybe Wreck Ralph three maybe but uh, the thing that sets this rampage apart from the other rampage games is that you have your uh, total destruction rampage mode where after yeah. going on a streak a hot streak for a while if you will of destroying buildings and eating people uh you go on your rampage mode where your character can move faster jump higher you basically turn into a super saiyan gorilla which is pretty yeah it's your classic super meter yeah we talked about it last week in the beach spikers uh game where you have (laughs) same concept very similar games very similar uh different about this game is that most rampage games uh feature 100 cities which is nuts uh this game features seven cities but each city has four city blocks in it and the whole uh, objective is for you to finish each block while uh, finishing specific challenges under a specific time limit. So in a nutshell, that's basically what you're doing. Have you played the other Rampage games, Neil? I might have, like at Palladium. There was probably an arcade. Yeah. I, I can picture my, I, I think I have, going back to memories that we no longer have in our head. Like I, I can see myself <laughs> playing something like this at Palladium when I was really young. I don't have any of the console versions, though. I didn't know until today that Rampage was on N64. Yeah, so I was going to ask, because I uh, I didn't remember until I watched gameplay of it that I have played Rampage World Tour, because it's actually wow. a really fun game. Okay. Uh, the whole idea is that you're going to these different cities, and you're trying to knock down their monuments. Oh, that's so cool. Is Toronto in it? No, it is not. Ah, that'd be cool. <laughs> Man, I need more Toronto in games, obviously. Overwatch 2, Toronto's coming in. Oh, okay. That's not too bad. Yeah. I like Not that. that you're going to play it. But. No, no. Overwatch 2. No. <laughs> Still. Hell no. I'm just glad it's there. I'm glad it yeah, exists. Yeah, me too. I'm glad it exists. But no, I never see Rampage on N64 at any video game store that we go to. No. I'll have to try and find that one out and see what I can pick it up for because that would be neat. But yeah, like you said, Rampage hasn't been in the public eye other than the movie uh, since t- 2006. There was a movie tie-in actually. Uh, in 2018 for the movie uh, and it was a Rampage AR game which is actually really cool oh. and it's kind of a shame that it didn't take off because you know I think Rampage and, and AR like ha- like being able to like put your phone and see yeah. like monsters on buildings that's so cool that'd be neat did they adopt the CGI computer effects from the movie with that or is it more yeah, like the similar uh, not, not good like they're not as good sure right so it's like very downgraded so it was similar style it would have been very cool to see them as you know uh, like 16 bit or 18 bit that yes. would be kind of funny or even this 2006 uh, style of uh, i love the character design in this game yeah. enough like it doesn't even need to go back as far as the 86 <laughs> arcade game just having the characters like this would fit very well in an ar game uh, in the world yeah. which would be a great way to explore cities kind of like a pokemon yes. go uh pokemon go style of game It'd be neat very neat. Uh, there's also in a new, newish, uh, I think 2018 as well, arcade rampage game called Rampage Raw Thrills, which was exclusive at Dave and Buster's for a while, <laughs> and um, that's very much you know it looks like the original Rampage, kind of takes it back to the 80s days, and it's only for arcades. I wish it was on console or at least just like make it digitally, put it out for 20 bucks. Like I'll buy that. In 2018, there was an arcade only video game. That's impressive. <laughs> that's very impressive i know right man and you can't even get to a dave and busters right now there's no way to play that game yeah damn it man that's too bad i i would love to go check that out though i bet it's pretty good 
And then there is one more. There's a, uh, it's called Project Rampage VR, which I think also is a movie tie, is an actual movie tie. And the AR one is, is you know, more yeah. like a Pokemon Go, not an actual game. Sure. This is an actual Rampage game in VR. And watching gameplay, I was like motion sick. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is not good to watch <laughs> VR no. gameplay. This game is perfect as a 2 to a 2.5D game uh, where yeah. you're just side-scrolling monsters up buildings. One thing about uh, Rampage Total Destruction that I saw that was a critique of the game was that the camera angle uh, doesn't lend itself well to the game in that it's a no. uh, the characters for the first time ever can, uh, can traverse the environment a little bit more. They can go into the background. They can go to the foreground, uh, basically like any other 2.5D game of this generation. And a common criticism of those types of games is that the camera angle, it's really tough to tell where your character is, if they're far back yeah. or if they're close. That's honestly something that I think is an issue with all of these types of games where you have a fixed camera angle and your character can move all about in the 3D space and you can't control the camera. Like I've been playing the the Lego Harry Potter games recently and that's mm. an issue that me and my girlfriend have had too of just like not really being able to tell where your character is on the screen and where they have to go or how, how far off they are from the ledge and you fall off the ledge and you die. Not a huge issue in the Lego games because those games are pretty forgiving. But still, it is an issue with these types of games where you can't control the camera, but you're still exploring a 3D space. Yes, yeah. And and I do remember that was one issue I had when I was playing mm-hmm. was the camera because, yeah, I, I didn't know what plane I was on. <laughs> right, exactly. And and it is, you know, Total Destruction, definitely a relic of its time mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, the Detroit Free Press actually has a really good review uh, oh. that I agree with. And okay. it's... Uh, uh, and they gave it three out of four stars and they say it would be an improvement to allow your monster to tear through the Las Vegas Strip, then head to the Hoover Dam to cause some real havoc. Mm. But taking down cities one block at a time will have to suffice for now. Mm. And that's that that is kind of where it falls flat. The fact that I'm just going through this, you know, one block at a time. I'm not doing a full, you know, God's all destroyed all monsters kind of style where I'm just barreling through a city itself rather than just these small blocks. Like that's, I think, where it doesn't doesn't do well in terms of evolving as a game. I suppose so. Godzilla Destroys All Monsters, though, is a very enclosed environment, too, though. It's not a free-roaming... But it's roaming... enclosed in, like, in like a, you're, it's a pretty big block that you're enclosed yeah, in, right? I see you know, where saying. this is really just, like, this one... It's it's your visual screen. It's, it's yeah, everything you can I see. see on your screen. Well, I mean, like, in a, two, in a 2D game, arguably, like, it's hard to make it open world, and... I don't know if an yeah. open world game would work with this. With this, no, do I want an no. open world? I think I think you know uh, they're just trying to say, and and I'm agreeing the fact that I just wish I could go a little farther than the screen allows me to. You sure, know? yeah, I can see that because whenever I think of an open world game like this, like there's parts of cities that are boring, and then you get the argument of like Spider Man in the suburbs, like it's not yeah. fun. Like, it's the same yeah. thing with this. Like, do you really want to walk around the area between the Las Vegas Strip and the Grand Canyon or whatever? Like, it's miles between the two, and there's nothing between sure. it. So, yeah, I, I kind of like having the cookie cutter neighborhoods that you just have to destroy and then move on. You have a challenge. It has a great little photo album with four stars under it so when you get all four stars you can move on kind of like overcooked yeah. i love that type of <laughs> i love that mechanic in games because it's like a little checkbox that you finish you get all your yeah. stars then you move on it's like a checklist feels so clean when it's done mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. one thing about the game that i didn't particularly enjoy is the music it's quite repetitive 
very, very poor. But what makes up for that is the sound design of this game. Very yeah. strong sound design. The sound of explosions, the military, the buildings falling down, mixed with humans freaking out that there's these giant, <laughs> that there's these giant monsters eating them and destroying buildings. The and... helicopters, you know, you can hear that, like the news station like, yes. sounds as well. It, it's all very, it feels very real. And to be fair, this is 2006. Yep. So this is one of the latest games we've talked about to date. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the games that we've talked about before, you know, it's a pretty big jump in terms of sound quality, other than Soul Calibur, who just managed to figure out how to do sound properly five years <laughs> before everyone else did. Right. But it takes it takes a lot of effort to make a, a game sound chaotic, but not yeah. like crap. Like, it, it sounds chaotic, but in an organized way. Like, it's it yeah, takes a lot really of work and a lot of effort. And most people would probably never notice that because, honestly, if I was playing this game, I'd probably eventually turn the volume off and listen to a podcast because <laughs> I'm not missing it gripping dialogue playing Rampage with the volume off, you know? Go, go play Rampage, take the volume off, and uh, put us on while we're talking about Rampage. How exactly. meta is that? Exactly. <laughs> uh, yeah, listen to our show while playing Rampage. Let us know what you think of the game. And a fun fact about Rampage Total Destruction, if you do own it or you do pick it up, you might not know this, is that it also contains the original Rampage and Rampage World Tour on the disc. Oh. So you actually have three games in one, which is pretty sweet. Isn't there... I, I had written down something else that was, like, weird about it. Uh, well, you might be thinking of the Wii version of the game, which you have. Uh, if you do own the Wii version of this game, you have an extra city, which is Dallas. You also have ten more monsters, uh, yep. three of which are from previous Rampage games. There's a fifth upgrade, specifically the Super Jump, and a clip from the Cartoon Network series The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, which is one of my favorite underrated childhood cartoons. That's the one. That's the one. Because I was like, I know there's something really weird in this, like yeah. that, that does not belong in this game. And it's, yeah, there's a clip of, of The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. Well, yeah, which is a, a great show that I've... I never hear anything about, but I love that show. Oh, it's so good. The, the, the Grim Reaper is Jamaican for some reason. It's classic <laughs> show. And we're going to be covering it eventually on this show because there is a Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy GameCube game. There is? Oh, yeah, Mike. We're going to be covering that that show eventually, and I'm very much looking forward to it. Oh, I didn't know that. I actually didn't know that. I forgot. We put together the schedule for this show. What do you mean? <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we did this in April 2020. That's there's true. A, there's a lot of these that we were just like, yep, the- yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, there's a ton. It's like, we covered that game already. I think you're wrong. And then you say, I think you've been to Sneaky D's before, Neil. That's right. <laughs> uh, uh, why don't you read the back of the case to finish this rampage section off for us, Neil? All right. Sounds good. Monsters on the loose. Get ready to roam, rage, and rampage your way through cities of the world, destroying nice. all in your path. Very nice. George, Lizzie, and Ralph are back along with 27 new monsters that you can collect and play as. Wander through 3D neighborhoods, trashing everything in sight as you uncover hidden monsters and power-ups. Yeah, 3D is, uh, that's, that's Ar- not 3D. No, <laughs> arguable. But uh, it even says here on the back, original Rampage and Rampage World Tour games included. I think that this seems like a terrific game to pick up. They both do today, actually. But before we move on to that segment of the show, Mike, you said that you wanted to talk about a game that we've already covered again. I did. And, you know, we've done this a couple of, well, I guess only once before with our uh, launch day games. But I wanted to talk quickly about Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee, uh, because that is just a terrific, terrific game that is an absolute hidden gem on the GameCube that no one talks about. Mm -hmm. And it is very similar to these games. It's a monster game. Mm -hmm. We talked about it in the wrestling episode because it was funny (laughs) to talk about Godzilla with WWE. I think originally we had it scheduled for this episode, but we we moved over to wrestling because we thought it would be funny. And it technically is a wrestling game. It fits that genre, actually. So Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just wanted to talk about 
how good that game is, Neil. Um, okay. And we both love it. And it, it just it, this is just me trying to get everyone to buy it and find <laughs> it. <laughs> but basically, in Godzilla Destroy All Monsters, you are kind of fighting on a 2.5D plane again. Uh, think of almost like a Soul Calibur style, mm-hmm. but with buildings and everything underneath you and around you that you're stomping on as you're fighting uh another player oftentimes another godzilla because you can pick from like five different godzillas yes and and different monsters like uh mothra's in there and uh it's basically godzilla the king of monsters the movie from a few years ago but better and way more fun to watch (laughs) it's got all the characters from that mecha godzilla is there from one of the Japanese movies from way back in the day. It's got yep. such an amazing cast of characters. I told a great story on our wrestling episode about how I actually discovered that game back in the day. I was at a friend's sleepover, and his parents rented us a few games from Blockbuster, and one of those games was Godzilla Destroys All Monsters Melee. And I don't know how they got the name Melee in that game. It's terrific. But we, <laughs> we ended up playing that game for hours that night, just just constantly picking different monsters and destroying cities and i talked about it to my parents the next day and they must have thought i was insane because they don't play games and eventually never bought it when i was a kid it was really hard to find you never saw that game in any eb games or gamestop i never saw i never saw it anywhere i looked for it but never did and then one day a few years ago i don't remember if you were with me mike or not but i was looking around at one of the video game stores in in the toronto area and i saw it on the shelf just right there like it was maybe 30 or 40 bucks i didn't care i was like this is mine and (laughs) bought it brought it home and it's still just as fun as it was back back when i played it when i was a kid so highly recommend you pick up godzilla destroys all monsters melee if you haven't already i don't know what it's priced at i wasn't prepared for this segment i can only imagine it's that's all right (laughs) i can only imagine it's gone up a few bucks but it can't be too i think it's about 50 dollars today let me look it up while you talk a little bit more about the game yeah uh and so the fact that you can destroy buildings just casually like that was you know that was basically porn to a kid like like <laughs> i loved that so much uh and and i talked about in the episode that i did play it a little bit and i played it with you later once you got that uh, that game mm-hmm. and yeah it was one of those games that that someone had you played it once and you're like i want to find this where do i find this game mm-hmm. and i don't know why the press uh uh why it got pressed so little because it doesn't seem like this game is out there and it's relatively expensive i guess yeah. uh but yeah it's it's just such a fun time uh listen to our wrestling episode if you want to hear us dive uh, a lot more into the game definitely go back and check out that one i think the reason mike why you didn't hear too much about it was because it was published by atari and atari was basically that's right it was an atari game a random atari game that's probably one of the best atari games ever made it was put out also on xbox which this is one of the few games where the xbox version is more expensive than the gamecube version interesting the xbox version prices at around between 65 and 80 dollars where the gamecube version uh, is more like 30 to $50. So price of the game hasn't gone up too much since I bought it, which is nice to see. So try and scoop up a copy if you can and uh, try and play it with someone else because that's obviously the way to do it. Yes, great coach co-op game. Oh, terrific. One of the one of the many on the GameCube. But let's circle back to the games that we talked about today, Mike. We covered King Kong, or sorry, we covered Peter Jackson's King Kong, the official <laughs> game of the movie. And then we covered Rampage, Total Destruction, from these the official two, game. The official game based on the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Jackson's Rampage Total Destruction. Of these two games, you have to pick one. They're both great. But if you had to recommend one to the listeners, which one would you suggest and why? Well, if I'm not going to pick Godzilla Destroy All Monsters Melee, which I would pick of the three, uh, I would probably pick King Kong because I actually want to go buy that game now. Mm-hmm. Uh 
I, I and I think solely for the reason that it's it's such a gem, and you'll you're never gonna find anything like this. It's it's so unique in that sense. You will never ever see a movie tie-in that was so well done and well executed. Mm-hmm. The fact that Peter Jackson, you know, had a huge hand in it. The fact that the person who made Rayman and uh, Beyond Good and Evil created this game and directed it. it it's it's just a, a masterpiece in that sense. There are a lot of drawbacks to it. It is tough to go back to. It's a 2005 game. Sure. So graphics in the early 2000s, you know, don't hold up very well. Uh, although that T-Rex does still look very nice. Um, mm-hmm. The fact that playing King Kong isn't a great time. But if you really want to see something before Uncharted, before Far Cry, before Last of Us, this is it. Yeah. No, you made all the right points there. And not only were, were all of the all of the ducks in a row there to make a great game. Like they had the director, they had the studio, they had the movie, they had the subject matter. That all could have come into place and this game still could have fallen flat on its face. Yes, the fact that it yes. came out and it was still great is unbelievable. Better and, than the movie. Be, yeah, arguably better than the movie as well, <laughs> which is unheard of for the most part. <laughs> yeah. And like the graphics of the game, yes, going back to a game on the GameCube, it's, I think the listeners of this show know that they're going to be going back to a game in standard def. It's not going to be the game that they're playing on PlayStation 4. Uh, yeah. So you know what you're going to expect going back to this, but it's not going to be a janky mess like some of the other games that we've talked about. You're not getting Catwoman or you're not getting Charlie's Angels. <laughs> you're getting a game where the character models are decent and the game is going to work. And I, and I just want to play it for to, to have the experience of playing a game without a HUD, yeah. you know? With without uh without anything to really guide me, uh, there you can. By the way, you can actually put on a HUD for how many bolts you have left, and you can also put on the aiming reticle. But it's uh like it's kind of far in the settings to do it. It, it definitely discourages you to put on any kind of HUD. I don't think that we're far away from a future where video games let you pick what you can and can't see on screen. Like, let me decide what I can. Like, I, maybe I yeah. maybe I don't want to see my health, and I think that that's. I haven't played it before, but I think that there's a version of both Uncharted and The Last of Us where you play on the crushing difficulty and you can't tell uh, what certain things are. I think that's the game I'm thinking of. It might be Uncharted okay. or it might be The Last of Us, especially the one where like, you know, like Joel can listen to characters through walls like that's out the whole listening, <laughs> obviously. So there are like grounded modes of video games where they take away a lot of that that stuff. And I'd like to yeah. be able to do that, but not play on the hardest possible difficulty. Like, let, yeah. let me play on easy mode and let me turn off all of this stuff on screen because I just want to see the beautiful environments that you made um, and and play the game like that. So I, I think that eventually we'll see video games have that as an option. But for now, it seems to be something that's just automatically there. That is a future I look forward to. So between King Kong and Rampage, where do you see these games going forward? Do you think that we're ever going to see a standalone King Kong game again like we saw with Peter Jackson's King Kong, the movie based on the game, based on the movie? Or do you think that we'll see a Rampage uh, resurgence come out, like on the eShop? I, I, I don't know if either one of these things are even possible now. It just feels like it's, it's been too long. Yeah, it's a tough call. I was I was thinking, I was in the shower this morning. Nice. And I was I was thinking of this because I knew you were going to ask me this somehow, Neil. Hmm. Oh, okay. Because I was in the shower with you telling you that I'm going to ask you this <laughs> oh, later. Yeah, that's, that's right. In our GameCube house. <laughs> Right. And for me, I think King Kong will make an appearance in a video game in the future. Will it be his own standalone game? I doubt it. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm actually a little surprised that we didn't get a Godzilla versus Kong game mm-hmm. to go along with the movie. I, I was a little surprised and disappointed with that because 
they were putting a lot of effort into creating that movie, into mm-hmm. marketing it, and into everything with it. There was so much stuff around. Well, they were trying to make uh, it a franchise since 2015. Yeah. We've been basically like there. Everything is everything is trying to become a franchise these, since Marvel. It seems like, and it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Like things that don't need to be a franchise are trying to become a franchise. And if if King Kong. And the Godzilla movie came out in 2005, to maybe earlier. We would have seen a game based on that movie, hands down. Yeah. They would not miss that opportunity. I'm sure that there was talks of putting a game out like it, but just the whole movie tie-in craze is over. It's uh, yeah, and and I think that's that's kind of the problem too. Is that a lot of these developers and publishers just think of it in the sense of, oh, it's it's going to be a movie tie-in game. It's like, well, no, it doesn't have to be. You can just be using those characters, using those licenses. Mm-hmm. You can just make a game, a really good game, and then get the licenses for it. Yeah. And unfortunately, that r- so rarely happens, right? Uh, because yeah. often the people who are making these really good games, uh, these not not AAA games, I should say, are these indie developers who obviously can't afford to get licenses mm-hmm. for Godzilla and King Kong to be in the game itself. And that's kind of where we run into a wall uh and and i would love to see king kong and godzilla be in there because i think if one is going to be in a game the other one is going to be in it like i just i feel like you just have to at this point definitely uh but uh because godzilla is owned by someone so that that (laughs) is one part that is going to be a little tougher definitely Uh, and then for rampage i can see rampage existing more like i can see games coming out because rampage is alive actually where king Mm -hmm. kong is alive in movies uh, Rampage is alive in the fact that it there was a movie of it. There's an arcade game that came out. There's a VR and AR game mm-hmm. uh, in the last two years. So there's life there. Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. I think as long as Rampage or whoever are making the Rampage games, it's been uh, in the hands of several developers in the last 30 to 40 years. Uh, as long as they know what the game is, it's an arcade game. You don't have to reinvent the wheel. I think yeah. we're fine. I think eventually that they'll probably port that arcade game or some version of the arcade game to a console like Switch makes the most sense to me. Obviously, that's basically a little handheld multiplayer console. So why wouldn't you put a Rampage game on Switch? A King Kong game, I think, is possible, but I don't think it's going to be tied in with a movie because we get these random games that are based on licenses from specifically the 80s. Like, randomly, we'll get a really good movie tie-in game, like Alien Isolation came out of nowhere, a really good survival horror game based on the 1979 movie Alien, and obviously the sequels and whatnot. But then mm-hmm. we get games like Friday the 13th, which is this 4v1 online multiplayer game, which again came out of nowhere, not tied to the uh, a Friday the 13th movie, just based on the IP. And then yeah. even a couple years ago, we got this random survival horror trailer. Amazing. It looked really cool. looked very ethereal and dark. And then it's the Blair Witch Project. Like... Just this in 2019 E3, I think it was, there was a trailer for a Blair Witch game. I think it came out. I don't think it did particularly well, but I think Mm -hmm. one day we're just going to be, we're just going to be on the internet and you're going to see a trailer drop for a King Kong video game and it's going to do okay. And I think that's probably fine at this point, honestly, like something like that is probably the best case scenario for King Kong. Maybe it's tied with Godzilla. Maybe it's tied with some other giant monster franchise, but I think King Kong does do best when he's fighting against something else. Dinosaurs, I don't think you can do that again. I think he does need to fight against something or some kind of other character, like a crossover would be really cool. I think this is this is going to be one of the few games that we've talked about where I really love the game, but I actually don't want a remake oh, of no. this, this movie, uh, of this game, yeah. <laughs> of the movie, the game, uh, because <laughs> they wouldn't be able to do it right. I, I feel like they were 13 it, which is a game we talked about earlier right. on how that got a remake uh, after years of fans desperately wanting one and they completely blew their chance. Mm-hmm. 
and for this, I think the similar thing would happen. They would add in a HUD. They would take away a lot of the survival elements. They would push more on just King playing as King Kong. And you would lose the magic that created it in the first place. The fact that this was a licensed game that actually worked and was honestly the best of a generation. Mm-hmm. I don't think... I'm trying to think while you're saying that. Have they ever remade a movie tie-in? Has that ever been a thing? I'm like... Uh, uh, not Good counting, question, not actually. counting Goldeneye. Let's let's leave out Goldeneye because that's probably the easy answer. Yeah, but that's not really a movie tie-in at the end of the day, right? So it, I mean, it is, but like, it's, but you know what I mean. Like, it, yeah. it's like um, it came out uh, years after the movie. So yes, yes, yeah. that's what I mean. Yeah, yeah. I, I see what you're saying, but I'm trying to think of a, a movie tie-in game that got remade. Definitely not successful, <sighs> but anyway, I I, <laughs> I don't I, think so. I honestly don't think there's any. I don't uh, think but they can. someone can. Someone can comment, someone can send us a message to say, hey, there is a movie tying game that got remade. Because I was thinking Battle for Bikini Bottom, but that, obviously that's not a Not based uh, on the movie. movie. Yeah. yeah. No, I don't know. We may, we may see one someday, but for now, we're just going to keep getting remakes of other games. But Mike, until we get a King Kong movie based on the game, based on the movie, based on the game, remake based on the movie, uh, why don't you let the listeners know what they can expect next week on the GameCube was Cool podcast based on the movie. Based on the movie, based on Godzilla. Uh, <laughs> the GameCube was cool podcast. Episode 63 is coming next week. And that is all going to be about Yu-Gi-Oh! And Beyblade and that whole, I don't know what you want to call it, like Western anime toy related games. All the things that you had at school that were eventually banned <laughs> is the theme of next week's episode. <laughs> That's right. Uh, and there was no Bakugan game on the GameCube. But, no. uh, you know, all, all those kind of games. I think there's also a Zoids game mm-hmm. that we're going to be talking about, uh, yep. Neil. Uh, which is, uh, that's a place in time. Wow. And a Robotech game as well, which these are a couple things that are a little bit before us. And Bakugan was a little bit after us. I remember it coming mm. out and thinking, I'm too old for this. <laughs> but we weren't too old for Yu-Gi-Oh!, which we adored, no. we love. And I, yeah. I still have a lot of nostalgia for Yu-Gi-Oh!, not as much for Beyblade. The, just the idea of Beyblade is much cooler in my head rather than the actual thing. Oh, yeah. Like, they made spinning tops cool. They did, which is pretty crazy. <laughs> That's an insane accomplishment if you can do that. If you can make spinning tops cool, you you deserve to be Beyblade. And they made a game out of it, too. And we're going to have a friend of the show on. Uh, actually, Ramon is going to be asked to be introduced as Enemy of the Show in that, uh, okay. in that episode. So Enemy of the Show, Ramon, uh, will be mm. coming on to talk about that Yu-Gi-Oh! game because I don't think it's good, Neil. I think it'll be okay. I mean, Yu-Gi-Oh! games are very hit and miss. There's actually a new Yu-Gi-Oh! game coming out on PS5 which is nuts. <laughs> it's bananas. It's Blue-Eyes White Dragon on the cover. If it's not, I send it back. Instant no-buy. They have to put Blue-Eyes White Dragon on the cover. So we're going to talk more about that next week. Really looking forward to looking back on all those weird fads that we got into as kids. But until then, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening to episode 62 of the GameCube is Cool podcast. We have new episodes every Thursday on all the major podcast services. Leave us ratings and reviews so we can make the show better. If you want to support the show, you can find us on Patreon. We are the GameCube was cool. Follow us on Instagram at the GameCube Pod. Share us with your friends and family. Tell Adrian Brody, Mike says hi. Thank you so much for the support, and we will see you next week. Based on the game. Over 600 games you've never heard of. GameCube. The product of what happens when you think inside the box. GameCube. Do we? Is there a Crazy Bones game? Did we talk about this already? Uh, we did. We, d- <laughs> we did. Uh, Crazy Bones movie. Let me see here. Oh, no. No, Crazy Bones game. Wait, Crazy Bones movie or Crazy oh, Bones Crazy game? Crazy Bones movie. That's got to be made. <laughs> no. Let's see here, here. Crazy Bones game. This is going to be a post-credit clip. Yeah. We'll leave this in. Oh, yeah. Crazy Bones video game.
The movie, the, the game. Movie, the game. <laughs> Definitely not a movie. I would have known that. P- Peter Jackson's I'm, crazy. Mike, bones. I'm not pushing my luck. I got the cra- I got the Beast Wars movie coming out. I'm not going to push it to a Crazy Bones movie. Can you imagine? Peter Jackson's Crazy Bones? <laughs> There's a Crazy Bones video game. There are, but they're like the little handheld ones that you buy, like a Tamagotchi. So I don't count that. All right, that's it. Done. Yep. Cut the tape.